to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. I'm Annie Warmke. Annie fiddling with papers Warmke. And today we're going to do something a little bit different, thus the fiddling with the papers. And Annie's been after me for a while. Uh, When we get up in the morning, we usually uh, look at the news and we chitter chat about the different things that are happening in the news and we solve all the world's problems and nobody ever listens to us. So the problems persist. (laughs) And... uh, and well, not, so she she was saying, you know what we could do is just grab some of these newspapers and stuff. Or magazines. And too, magazines. And, um, and just sort of discuss some of the stories and how they impact um, sustainable living. And I don't know how this is going to work. So we're okay, going to try let it. let me show. Well, so. before you get there, I just want to point out now, Annie subscribes to a number of yes. things. But her two main ones, farm one. and dairy. Okay, and, wait, wait, wait. Here's the next one. And the Guardian. And the Guardian, which so, I read when I lived in Europe, and uh, it was just about so great. The most incongruous. Uh, no, well, one is is uh, although I have to say I have Mother Jones magazine here, yeah. which is much more. I don't even want to say progressive. It's just the most negative. I can't, but I didn't buy that. I have a friend who gets it and she gives it to me. And sometimes I can stand to read an article or two, but mostly it's just. So we're reading. So so we're going to pull a couple of stories. And actually we didn't, um, I was just handed these newspapers, you know, before we started this thing. Spontaneous. So I thought, okay, the first story we'll we'll pick an on is one that they did, which were the top stories of 2022. Yeah, Farm and Dairy Journal. So farm and dairy, and this goes out to farmers and dairy people. In Ohio, Pennsylvania, maybe along the borders of Ohio. Pennsylvania is big in here, too. Yeah, so the big story, the first story, of course, was the war in Ukraine. Let me say something about farm and dairy. They are a a really old newspaper, and um, they have, I think, what keeps them afloat, especially during covid what is the fact that they have a lot of auctions. So if you're interested in auctions, farm auctions particularly, or uh, property auctions or farmland auctions, you can find them on land, uh, on land, online, <laughs> Farm and Dairy Journal. Sure. And it comes as a real newspaper. And the biggest thing I've found helpful from this is when we have wood fires in the wintertime. <laughs> no, that's it, not true. It actually look here. Uh, starts. Look here. Look here. This is very cool. They have a crossword puzzle. Oh, the crossword puzzle. And we puzzles. had a, an intern once who was so keen about it. And every time it arrived in the mail, she would tear the page open and she would sit at the table. And we got hooked on that, didn't we? And, and plus there's the whole page on religion, which is always helpful. Extra special. Okay, yeah. so the top stories of 2022. The first top story was the war in Ukraine um, and how it affected grain prices. Yeah, well, so, that's a big deal. So and that, also fuel prices. Yeah, grain and fuel. So mm-hmm. continued on A16. So, so what they were looking at is essentially that... Um, uh, well, it hasn't had, oh, I love this quote, well, this hasn't had a direct impact on the U.S., meaning we haven't seen few food or energy sor- shortages. Wait, it the has war had been a, going on for nine months I at know. that point. I, I find their effect wow. on the U.S. A, a strange thing. But they're talking about supply chain issues, global issues. Cost of everything's gone up. The cost of food's gone up ten percent. Contradicting themselves. I know their their energy prices going up thirteen percent. They get an award for this. Uh, that's good. I think they might have gotten an award for that story. I'm not sure. All right. Well, so so what they're looking at is the issue there 
as far as uh, war, how war that's going on halfway around the world is affecting every single farmer in America, which fascinating. And I have seen some later stories here how Are how American I, I sort of but I'm okay. but I'm saying that they have actually benefited from it. The American oh, farmers have yeah. benefited quite quite nicely mm-hmm. from this war. But in, then in what way would you say higher grain prices? Yeah, they 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 complained about food prices, but they're kind of the beneficiaries. Well, the of big these higher, boys maybe, yeah. but the smaller farmer is not benefiting right. at all. But the second part of this story, which really brought me to, they're talking about bird flu, you know, and oh, how yeah. how you had it said that the bird flu in 2022 killed 57 million birds in yes. the United States, yes. and and. Uh, Eggs went over five dollars a dozen, or no, a dollar fifty a dozen this time last year. Now they're they over were like five bucks. Five dollars, yeah, five bucks. And it says, "Here's here's the thing that jumped jumped out at me." <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, this is the basis of the whole problem. <laughs> of what problem? Of this problem. Oh. It says. <laughs> One commercial egg-laying yes, farm in Ohio millions, was millions. hit by the virus, killing 3.7 yes, million millions. birds. Yes, I remember that. What The but problem here, is it, that one has 3.7 million birds. Yeah, I kept wondering, what would that look like? But here's the other part, because I read that story when it happened, and they went in and killed every bird. But now oh. what happened after that was they wanted to come and kill like my birds, my six little puny birds, because yeah. you know why? Can You're you the problem. Why? It's because they run free. No, it's because wild birds have access to right. their feed and their droppings. And I didn't read of one single small farm, even yeah. that would have had a hundred birds that had this happen. It's just so idiotic, but they want to kill all of the birds. And then the prices for chicken and the prices for the eggs went crazy. Well, I wonder what they did with those 3.7 they million bury birds. Them. They bury them. Are you sure? Oh, yes. They first- They well, processed them into dog no, food. I'm sure didn't. they did. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. You think they did? I'll bet your money. That's money. That's well, that's a lot of you money. you hardly ever see- oh. So they take these sick animals and they well, process them. Well, that's what them. they do. Tumors and See, this and is all. how rumors get started, you know. It's not. There's no basis I, in fact on this. I mean, I'm just, no, but I'm it's just true. speculating. It's true because- when you look at like um, the ASPCA, which is the animal rights people, uh, I'm an animal rights person, but anyway, ASPCA is official. Um, they, you can go online to their site and you can see all of the things that go into dog and cat feed and also livestock feed. Some of the things that are in there are horrible and like tumors and oh, sure, diseased sure. animals and dead, you know, it's just horrible, horrible. So you're right. Oh, okay. I thought, oh, you know, being me, I would be like, oh man, that was a big hole that they dug to put <laughs> those animals in to protect everybody. Well, Shame on me for yeah. being so Pollyannish. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot oh of my gosh God. there. It's just so horrible. Okay. And as another part of this article, they are talking about, it's funny when you talk about farming, it's always corn and soybeans, you know, like that's farming. Um, yeah, but when we had Melanie, corn you know, futures. And she would always say, can we have corn today? And we're like, no, we're not eating corn today. Let's make corn. What did she, corn fritters? 
no corn, scallop corn. Let's make scallop corn. I'm like, uh, no, we're not doing it. All right. So corn futures topped $8 a bushel and soy <laughs> futures are up to $17 a, few, uh, a bushel. Wheat is up to $11 a bushel. Oh. I always think of corn futures, you know, because if you're buying corn futures, it's like the Bitcoin of agriculture, right? You're not buying corn. You're buying the idea of corn in the future. How how much more disconnected? Corn in the future. I mean, it's like Bitcoin. Anybody who says oh, there's there's no value to that. Well, there's no value to this. You're buying the idea of corn in the future. Oh, it's betting. That's capitalism. It's just betting. That's capitalism. All right, so that's enough of 2022. We're done with that. Okay, what article did you pull up? All right, so I have Mother Jones, and I'll show the front of it. Uh, for those of you that like the really, really left, left and of left uh, news coverage, and not that they don't do <laughs> news coverage, but it's just so negative, I can't hardly stand it. But I did like this one article because it's a lot of things that we often talk about in the morning. It's called Table Scraps. And uh, let's see, what issue is that in? It's in uh, April, March, April of 2022. Um and so what this article talks about is the where, you, you know, when we had COVID and the government gave out billions and billions of dollars to businesses. And it's talking about the fact that the big boys, the big corporations are the ones who really sucked at the public teeth. And it was not the small restaurant people who um, had had any any benefit at all. So they're saying, too, that a half a million small independent restaurants and bars did not benefit at all. Probably more than that, because there are lots of like more like food trucks and things like that. Anyway, but then it goes on to talk about the National Restaurant Association and how their members benefited. So the National Restaurant Association sent $2.55 million uh, they spent this money on lobbying. So that bought them a pretty good chunk of change. Sure. Um, and 80% of the federal dollars that was spent uh, went to to Republicans. Went to, to as it should be, because that's, <laughs> that's how it goes. Uh -huh. And so, so here, I'm just going to read a few of the dollars and cents that went to some of the big well, boys. Before, I'll pass over the fact, I don't know how they would identify who's getting it as Republican or Democrat, but it could okay, be red state, it's not blue too state. Hard. It's not too hard because these boys also give money at other times to PACs and things. And so, that, okay. So the corporations to, were supportive yeah, of her. Yeah. So Subway got 362 million and some change. Okay. Uh, Golden Corral, Plastic City. They still are Golden Corrals out there? 277 million. IHOP, which was going out of business like no tomorrow, 117 million. Dunkin' Donuts, who could think at 90 million? They were at the low end. Yeah. Denny's got 79. McDonald's, 47 million. And the average non franchise got $287,000. Okay. So seems I, fair. Yeah. Seems fair. So all of these companies, all of these businesses that got all of this public funding then immediately went out and raised the wages of their employees. No, they didn't. Afterwards. So here's the, here's the even, <laughs> this even gets really a lot worse. Marriott 
got a at least $10 million. Disney, their restaurants got $10 million. McDonald's, Panera Bread, Golden Crown, Duncan franchises got $10 million. And Apple Corp Campus Caterer got $10 million. Cool. So there is a huge campus court. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't let's have see, guessed that. Let's see who were the the uh, Republicans who got the money right, from now, now the NRA, the no. National. It, it says NRA, but it's the it's the uh, Restaurant Association. Oh, yeah. So Kevin McCarthy, Mr. Speaker of the House, he got fifty six thousand dollars. Former Speaker. Well, he was of the, the House. Speaker then. Uh, Kevin Brady uh, from Texas. These are all Republicans. Got fifty thousand, a little and a few chain, uh, pennies. Um, Pat Chaberry from Ohio got forty two five. Rodney Davis from um, Illinois. Illinois got fifty. Got forty two thousand. And Steve Scalise isn't he also running for the house? He's the second in charge. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he got forty thousand. So okay. they are now owned by the okay. But to be fair, association. To be fair, this is Mother Jones, so they probably dropped all the Democrats off that list. It's um. possible, but I don't care because that that I don't care. Right. So, but here's the thing: they repeatedly oppose clean energy legislation, citing chefs' preference was for gas in the cooking process. Oh, so the National Restaurant Association yes. is against it. Yes, that they seems weird. they said uh, they were against expanding health benefits, and that was a constant mantra of their lobbying. So all those millions fighting any kind of health benefit to their people that they pay $4 or $3 an hour to. In the state of Ohio, the minimum wage for a restaurant worker is $4. It's it's terrible. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so we now know, based on this data, that the big boys, the big restaurants did very well during COVID. Extremely so it's, well. it's another example of the fact that those people who are benefiting most from public subsidies are the ones shouting loud yes, that we should horrible. not be subsidizing no. other people. No, we should not. All right. Well, um, we'll take a moment here to say that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. Reminding you, it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. Yes, and thank God. All right. So today, this this show, we're, we're actually uh, doing something different. Annie brought in a whole pile of her newspapers and magazines, and we're randomly selecting certain um, articles to be outraged at. And uh, are to, we outraged? I think to, we're just to give reporting, you our, fa- reporting, 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 the fact. <laughs> I'm giving you our uninformed opinions about about what the so the one that popped out to me here, Farm and Dairy again, um, Farm and Dairy Journal on the front online. page on the front page says yes. class six injection wells could be the future oh of the oil and gas industry. Did you really now, read that? I, I, I did read that. I scanned through it and it's very... But wait, I want to say the reason I did read through it is I wanted to see if what you had been predicting for the last 10 years was true and that was that the future for this technology and the benefits to farmers was going to be pretty much nothing. Right. Well, but yeah, basically what they what this what this headline is kind of masking is the state of Ohio. This is focused on the state of Ohio here is really wanting to be the dumping ground of other people's pollution. And they see a lot of profit in that. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've we've had these injection wells. 
where when the when the uh, shale gas boom was supposedly going to be booming, which never actually quite got here. Um, the community college. But Ohio. Happen. Oh, yeah. Training people like crazy. But Ohio opened up uh, to say, hey, you guys have all this pollution, this brine. They call it brine like it's salt water, but it's not. It's yeah. it's a lot of chemicals and, and uh, diesel fuels and lubricants and all of this other stuff that they then pump down. And you probably heard like earthquakes in Oklahoma because of because of these injection wells in Ohio, in Ohio. Yeah. Um, So so basically they're saying you've got all this pollution you don't want to dispose of in your state. Hey, bring it on in. We'll be happy to take it. And and so what they're saying to to these companies and the companies who are pushing it are once again, companies like, you know, Exxon, Chevron, you know, basically the oil producing guys. And and they're seeing base their their industry is in decline. Um, there's a movement, a very strong and fast movement towards renewable energy. So they say, all right, well, where can we begin to get a hold of some of this money? And so what a class six injection well is, as opposed to I think it's a class four where they they stick the the brine stuff into the ground, is um, carbon sequestration. Which is total, total. All right, BS. Yes. Okay. Oh my god. So, so we like this idea, and and you know, it, carbon. <laughs> we don't like this idea. Carbon. No, but it's just carbon. It just it's it's Bitcoin. No. Uh, the carb in this carbon thing is Bitcoin. No, it's it's basically it's saying we got this problem. Let's dig a hole and stick it under the ground. That's their solution. So, so what do we do with all this CO two? What do we do with all of these emissions? Let's somehow magically, not quite sure how, let's capture let's it. capture it and bury it, it in, the, in ground. the ground. Problem solved. Yeah. No problem. Well, you know, I mean, their solution in the past was let's dump it in the river or blow it out well, into the atmosphere. They're doing it because right. they don't have. They do not legally have to say what's in it, right. and then they can go along and spray it like they do where we live along the river. They spray it for the winter. Right for ice yeah. mitigation on the. It's horrifying. Uh, so, so this is um, basically saying let's take these. Things now they haven't actually said what that means. Is it somehow liquefied? Is it compressed gas or whatever? And let's let's pump it into the ground, um, and then we can claim that it's carbon sequestration. And there's a certain logic to that because basically, oil is carbon sequestration, gas is carbon sequestration. It's just natural processes. Coal. It's taking carbon that was part of this planet and sticking it underground. Yeah, but wait, they're not just digging a hole. There's they're looking digging for a well. like a fissure, a fissure, what they call that, like when there's fissure. a gap, fissure, fissure in the ground looking for that because there isn't just a hole. Well, part of the problem is they do not understand, nobody does, the the complex dynamics of how things move throughout well, the this earth. This is what I was, was going <laughs> to say next is so then they find the hole and then they pump that all down in there. What does that do to the earth? Well, how does that impact how the earth operates underground? We've, we've seen some of this with uh, the, the brine wells. I'll use the term brine from fracking. Um, 
because it does migrate, it migrates many miles away from the injection site, really? polluting groundwater. They claim wow. it doesn't, but well, it does. Well, it's going to seek the path of least resistance, right. isn't it? And it causes earthquakes because what it is, is you're pumping a lubricant down into the earth in fissures, and those fissures then slide against each other, yeah, which causes the earthquake. you know where this happened? Was I don't at know. Seneca Lake. Ohio, Seneca Lake, Ohio, because the people that were some people who lived there came to see me because they were trying to fight this because what happened was exactly what you just described. And so it caused the lake to have what become radioactive. Yeah. Well, okay. No problem. And you know what's funny? Cook it's the not, fish before you catch it them. Is not funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny, though. I said it's funny. It's uh-huh. not funny because what has happened is a lot of people who care about what was going on, they sold their homes because it wasn't safe to live there. They had children, grandchildren. They didn't want them in the lake. And so what did they do? They came in and they upscaled everything. They took out the old camping area. They put in a camping area that has these motor homes. I suppose that's what they're called, but they have two, they have a second story now. That are sitting, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, but I don't know why it's relevant. It's relevant (laughs) because they took an area that is totally the water version of a brownfield, only maybe worse, and they upscaled it so they could take away the attention to the water issue. All right. Okay, so we found three articles to be outraged. Uh, we might have time for a fourth one. All right. So go out and be outraged. All right. I. (laughs) There's a lot to be mad about, but I'm not angry. I feel like it's important to talk about these things and to say, well, what what does it really look like versus what you're being told by this person writing this article or what this newspaper or this magazine stands by? And I do love The Guardian. I just want to say, because when I open it up and it has reviews of books or films or it talks about issues that I feel are important they do try to be uh, pretty balanced, and it just feels like a breath of fresh air coming out of it. When I read the Farm and Dairy Journal, I am grateful for some of the things. For the I crossword. See. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so so the Farm and Dairy Journal on September 28, 2023, reported that uh, Sec- Agriculture Secretary Tom uh, Vilsack had um, visited Pittsburgh. So Pennsylvania is one of their uh, audiences for farm and dairy. And I thought it was funny because the first part of the article talks about a, a woman named Liz, um, Lisa Freeman, who has a small farm, uh, a, fa- a Freeman family farm and greenhouse. And she basically is working in an urban neighborhood. She She's organizing people and um, growing and selling and so forth. And she just lets Mr. Vilsack have it. And she says that the latest programs, um, even though they seek to br- bridge the gap between uh, connecting farmers to local food networks and the farmer, you know, so there's this sort of give and take that is just not working. And she talks about how she's gone into debt and um, that her business opened uh, with the goal of providing opportunities to minority entrepreneurs. But she says that hasn't happened. And so what she wants, Mr. Vilsack's uh, ag department to do is to go and look at, all right, all these big boys are getting all this money. We just talked about that in other podcasts. They're all getting this big money. And guess what? They don't, they're, they're saying they're doing these things, but when you go to the communities, 
they're not. And then there's this great disadvantage because they can produce all kinds of numbers, which the USDA is like big on that. But if you're an urban farmer in a city or a, a small incorporated area, you don't have the same kind of numbers. You're selling at farmer's markets, you're selling farm to school. So it's not a big commodity. <clears throat> and she's saying that really that's not fair. Well, one of the criticisms I have of these programs often, not just agriculture, but in general governmental programs, is the folks that are administering them, it, it's much more important to be seen to be doing something than to actually do right, something. Right, and that's exactly her complaint. That's yeah. exactly it. So but the one thing I will say is that under Vilsack's and Biden's um, command, I'll put it that way, uh, there has been a lot of money injected into um, into farming. And, and also, I think they've also used words like uh, the... the um, Climate Smart Farm uh, Bill, which uh, it has sent, I don't know, was $5 million billion into USDA programs. Um, they said they're looking for innovation. And that's something the government never wants. But the reason they need innovation is because we aren't going to be able to feed people the way, you know, bigger, bigger, bigger is just destruction, destruction, destruction. So there is, um, there are a number of grant programs, and you can find out more about that on the USDA um, website. But there's a farm to school grant program, and there was a person there that talked about the benefits of that and how that is I improving um, uh, food that's fed to our children. That's hard to believe because the food is being produced massive in a mass production line, you know, and it's apples and it's oranges. And, you know, I, I don't see it. But uh, I will say to defend Vilsack and Biden that um, after uh, the day after Trump was inaugurated under Mr. Obama, we had a really great website for the USDA and a tremendously uh, helpful uh, pages for women in agriculture. And they did a lot of great programming and everything. And the next day after Trump was elected, uh, it, it all went away. It was like a 1950s website and there wasn't a word about women or any statistics about women. And um, so I got to say that they are trying to do better, but a lot of programs are developing in urban areas, particularly in poor neighborhoods where people are working to help feed people, but also to sell uh, food. And I just think, you know, they, they got to do better. The Climate Smart program is a, is a good deal. But when I look at who got that money, it is the big boys. It's the Cornells and the Yales and the Monsanto and DuPont got tons of money um, from those programs. And, um, and us little kids, we well, didn't even get into the game. It's part of that same old process with these things where the intention may be good, um, but, uh -oh, but go. how many people, yeah. with good intentions. but how many people have the lawyers and the grant writers and all of the things to comply with all of the layers of bureaucracy. It's incredible. It we, we ran into that thing, even just getting one of these uh, equip grant things about fencing and, and, oh my gosh, at least I know you were less, you know, brain fried from that. But to me, 
It's like, okay, we want to put in a fence to comply with it. It took years and well, it they cost had us to start over because over there was a new administration. So, and, and by the time it was all done, yeah, they did provide a certain portion of the cost of the fence, but it would the amount we had to pay was pretty much the same amount we would have paid if we had put in the fence ourselves. Well, I don't I don't think that's exactly accurate, but one thing I will say is that there's a challenge for most farmers because in some districts uh, you have to pay up front. You've got to pay the person and then wait for reimbursement. But we were fortunate we didn't have that. And so we can, we have some podcasts about those programs and they are beneficial. Okay. I want to defend that. So slightly. we have ranted enough. You have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our always ranting Emmy Award winning <laughs> producer, Adam Rich. And we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and eat your vegetables. Government subsidized. <laughs> Until yeah. next time. Bye-bye. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at BlueRockStation.com. Yeah. Yeah.